We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. All right, guys, I'm excited to bring on our next guest, uh, Miss Lindsay Adler with The Athletic. This is her, her, she just finished her first season uh, on the Yankees beat. Lindsay, thanks so much for coming on the show, and, and welcome to the craziness of Yankees. Thank you. It uh, sure was a crazy season indeed. Uh, before we get into, I know we're going to talk a lot about the just the pitching coach situation and kind of the philosophy 
from the organization and what we're looking forward to, I think, in the future. But just, just quickly, your first year with the Yankees, was there anything, I don't know, that you weren't expecting or was the whole thing unexpected? I know it was your first time on the beat, so I'm curious to, to hear that because I know personally and a lot of the guys on our team really enjoyed your coverage. Thank you. Um, you know, the biggest thing was that there was always something to cover. You know, I mean, something was always happening. And I know that it's not really going to be like that in seasons going forward, or at least hopefully there's not, you know, 400 guys going on the injured list. Right. Um, but just the, yeah, just the range of stuff that happened throughout, throughout the season and trying to kind of hone in on what was, you know, what's a big story? What's a small story? How to approach this? It just, it gave me a lot of different situations to kind of learn from. Um, so hopefully if next year's a little bit less chaotic, I will be in a pretty good position. But also there's part of me that worries that if there's not as much, you know, wackiness and news, it'll be a little bit more difficult. So I guess we'll find out. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you, you definitely didn't have a shortage of stories with all the guys, co- you know, going down and and you know stories coming up to take their place. So there was uh, there was definitely a lot of that for you guys to pick and choose what you wanted to to write about. Yeah, definitely. All right, so the big news of the week since the since the the finish of of the Yankees season is uh, Larry Rothschild is no longer the Yankees pitching coach, and r- really the. You know, I read your article from a couple of days ago talking about the the turnover just in the in the pitching depths of the New York Yankees and the infrastructure um, all throughout the the minor leagues as well. So it's really looking like they're going in, you know, cleaning house and seemingly going to go in a new direction. So that's kind of what I'd like to speak with you about. But before we get into that new direction, Larry Rothschild, a lot of people use him as a scapegoat. I mean, it's 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 probably Twitter's favorite scapegoat is Larry Rothschild. Um, but yeah. you 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 brought up in your article uh, when you when you look back at his tenure of the Yankees, it was actually pretty dang good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't think I don't think he's getting enough credit for helping you know turn seasons around for Tanaka and Paxton and even Hap and you know kind of getting everybody on a better track down the stretch. I mean. There was that week in July where we went to Minnesota and Boston, and then things really did rebound after that. Um, it was interesting, for sure. It was almost magically after Cashman and the the front office didn't do anything at the trade deadline. The Yankees, <laughs> the Yankees, the pitching staff were like, you know, we're good. We are confident <laughs> with who we have. And these guys decided to start trying uh, at that point, apparently, and, and ran all the way into the playoffs. Yeah, very funny. Um, but when you look back at his actual tenure and you look at all the numbers, um, uh, you had you you marked a, one of the big notes really that I, I take away from this because I think a lot of people don't realize it um, is that he actually led the American League in his tenure over the the nine years that he was there with uh, the strikeout you know the percent twenty two point nine percent strikeout rate which I think is surprising mm-hmm. to a lot of people if you think about what, some of these numbers I mean he's top five pretty much in every category. Um, when it comes to mm-hmm. the numbers that you're looking at and, uh, you know, a sub four ERA 392 for his tenure. So, you know, overall, there was a lot of, of very positive things that Rothschild did for sure. And I think the 
one of the big things for fans, you know, because that's that's our perspective. I see like that, you know, when things burn down, what are they going after? Well, they go after like mm-hmm. the, the curveball thing and all the, the news and the stories and the fact that Sonny Gray was traded over here and then went, uh, didn't have any success and then left, went to Cincinnati and, you know, made comments about the curveball thing. And, and uh, Larry Rothschild is mm-hmm. known for off speed. So what's your whole take on on, you know, why the perception of, of him is, is negative really from a fan's point? You know, it's hard for me to say because I haven't been immersed in it, you know, for much beyond last year. Yeah. I know that this year, this year was obviously tough for the Yankees pitchers. I think there was a lot of frustration built up by them not getting someone at the deadline and then, you know, maybe a couple guys this off season passing on, but you know, there's a lot of stuff that I don't think gets passed along to fans about things going on behind the scenes. And obviously there's a lot of stuff that I never hear about, but the big thing to me was early in the year, I don't think writers were comfortable talking about the different ways that the ball was playing um, you know, players and coaches, by my understanding, basically got to the regular season and were handed balls that they suddenly didn't know what to do with. And I think that got really overlooked. And I think some of the, you know, pitching profiles of some of the guys they had, you know, in Tanaka and Hap, mm-hmm. you know, fly ball guys to begin with, like, I just think they got particularly stung by it. But I think it's just, You know, I don't think fans really know what coaches do behind the scenes. I don't even really see it. You know, I I hear about it, but, you know, it's hard, I think, for fans to see someone like James Paxton come in and struggle and then wonder what the hell the organization is doing to fix it. And I'm sure, you know, the whole Sonny Gray stuff last year has probably just eroded fans' confidence in their ability to turn pitchers around. But I don't think... I don't think what happened with Sonny should be applied to other pitchers. Sonny coming to New York was a mistake. It was something I don't think he was comfortable with. I think the organization expected something different, and I think it's fantastic that he's thriving in Cincinnati. And so I kind of look at it as, you know, this was this was one guy. Um, but I understand why fans see that, and they're a little bit scared when someone starts the year and they're – you know, having a pretty rough season, there's this fear, you know, can they turn it around? So I get it, but it's hard and people don't see, you know, that Larry's one of the first people there every day from spring training until the end, you know, they don't see how much he lives and dies with each pitch. They don't, I I know that's a cliche, but it's, it's true. You know, I mean, there's plenty of times when the broadcast would show Larry and I was like, Oh, Larry, it looks like he's going to puke. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, there was, I would not say there was a dedication or a, you know, commitment issue there. I think things just didn't work out. Yeah. I mean, when, and also when you hear the players talk about Rothschild specifically, you know, Cece was very outspoken about him about how mm-hmm. the, the amount of work that he would do behind the scenes and that people just don't see that and the relationship that he has with certain guys. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think it's easy to latch on to certain, like, little narratives that, that can kind of catapult you in whatever, you know, whatever agenda you want to go towards, I think, as a, as a fan base when you're when you're looking for things to blame and people to, to use as scapegoats. You can look at, 
oh, well, Chad Green was, you know, not so good early on. Then he went down to triple A. Oh, you know, the, the narrative was away from Larry Rothschild and then got better. You know, right. things like that that, that right. I think people hold on to and then kind of use it as uh, as talking points. Yeah, I think that's what's tough is that, you know, it's, it's not in a club's best interest to tell fans every single thing sure. that's happening. You know, that, that would be just stupid. And so I think they have to live with some misperceptions like that. And I think, you know, that's that's what you take running a baseball team but you know sometimes sometimes those perceptions are right sometimes they're wrong I don't always hear the full story either but you know like you know when when Chad went down to AAA it's not like Larry stopped being involved right you know Larry was watching all of that he was probably directing a lot of it and Chad told me at the end of the year that the biggest thing for him was just getting down there and getting a mental break you know, he was like, it was just nice to go to a low pressure environment. And then he felt almost immediately better. So I don't really, you know, I don't really know all the specifics of what they worked on in AAA, but I just don't think it's as straightforward as Chad goes down, works with Tommy Phelps, who, by the way, is, is great. And is one of the pitching coaches they did retain, right. um, you know, and comes back fixed. I think it's more complicated than that. Yeah, I no, I totally agree with you. I think there's a lot of there's a lot to be said with going down somewhere where you can really just focus on you and the the things that you need to improve personally and not have to deal with all of the you know, the noise, the noise of New York, <laughs> the noise of the fans, mm-hmm. the noise of the media, the noise of just all of that stuff, uh, you know, answering questions every single day. So, um I agree with you. I think that it was uh, more complicated than that. But you did talk about so so kind of moving forward to to put a bow on on Rothschild. It's it's it is pretty uh, it, it's pretty convenient that Joe Girardi gets hired down the uh, you know down the turnpike a little ways and and now Rothschild is um, is uh, you know potentially looking for work too. Do you see a, a, a natural? I mean, obviously there is a natural fit there, but do you see that as as something that's going to happen in the future? You know, without really knowing much you know, from a reporting perspective, and I've seen reports that it looks like Brian Price will be the pitching coach, but like, you know, I don't know if you or your listeners read a story um, written by our Phillies beat writers toward the end of the year, um, Matt Gelb and Megan Montemuro, they wrote about the Phillies issues with their first year pitching coach, Chris Young, Mm -hmm. and, you know, building trust with pitchers and, delivering information and blah, blah, blah. And it was actually, it was really revealing and looking at, you know, what, what a non-functional relationship between a pitching staff and its coach can look like. So my big takeaway from that is one, it's, you know, it's interesting for me generally to learn that behind the scenes stuff, but also it sounds like the Phillies probably learned that they need someone with, experience and someone who can you know bring new ideas to the pitchers but they you know do it in a way that they respond to pretty well and so I do think you know whether it is Larry or whether it's Brian Price or someone someone with a lot of experience I I see that being the biggest fit and obviously Joe and Larry are you know comfortable and familiar after working together for so long yeah, no, I think it, it seems like it would be. And, and even, you know, even one of the trends that we're seeing now, which the Yankees have done with their hitting coaches, you know, the potential of 
you know, for Girardi's side, not to talk too much about the Phillies, but uh, I think it, mm-hmm. it definitely applies to what we could be looking at. You know, in the future, you mentioned Tommy Phelps is a guy that was retained, who's the the pitching coach at Scranton. Um, they mm-hmm. did it with Marcus Timms, kind, kind of coming up with the with the guys that he had in the minor leagues. There's a comfort level there. You know, you could say the same thing probably about Tommy Phelps. And, you know, maybe there's a, a relationship there where you have a guy that already has the trust of some of the staff um, and then pairing with, you know, one of these newer age, uh, you know, they've been talking to a couple college coaches and, um, you know, these the technology and analytics guys, uh, you know, maybe there's a, a nice little combo there. Yeah, and I would say that I think Larry's interest in and appreciation of analytics and data that the, that the Yankees provide is pretty underrated. I think everyone kind of looks at him as the old school type coach. And I think in a lot of ways, he, by my understanding, he was, but also he just tried to make it a blend of his kind of old school and new school. And so I don't think, you know, I don't think they're getting rid of someone who's a dinosaur by any means sure. but it does really seem you know like the uh like that like that very technology based is really what the future is looking like and something that i've actually thought about quite a bit since writing that is the mets having uh phil reagan and jeremy accardo mm-hmm. working together Yep. And I think that's actually a pretty interesting balance. And I would be interested to see or interested to know what other teams kind of try to find maybe a, you know, split philosophy pairing or something like that and try to kind of approach things from all angles. Yeah, I mean, to me, that makes a lot of sense because I still think that there's a there's a very, very good place for some of those old school tactics and old school um, thought processes in the game of baseball. The game of baseball hasn't changed that much. The technology has, the equipment has, the players are bigger, faster, stronger. I think a lot of the, those things have changed, obviously. But you know, when you're talking about the game itself, there's obviously still a lot of, you know, overwhelming qualities that have been there forever and ever. And you know, unless you have a guy like that who's still looking at certain those things and, and trying to blend with that new school, um, you know, possibly overlooked, and, and then you revert back in a in a weird way. Um, but yeah, no, I think that's an interesting thing, and, and the the two, the two coach dynamic, I think would be, um, it's it's definitely something to think about for for the way that they're going to fill these positions. Um, but talking about the actual the organization and the depth and, and kind of where they are mm-hmm. infra- with the infrastructure, uh, Sam Breend, I think I'm pr- I'm pronouncing his name mm-hmm. right. If I'm not, I, I may have butchered it, but <laughs> we'll go with Breend. Is the new pitching director uh, for the Yankees? He was hired during the season, uh, but they they pretty much got rid of the majority of um, of, of the pitching. Uh, development staff, uh, you know, from from all in the minor leagues, and uh, Tommy Phelps being one of the one of the only guys that that stays on. But he, Sam, is one of those guys that came from. He was a director at Driveline Baseball. A lot of people know that um, from uh, Trevor Bauer. You know, they're they're obviously extremely into the analytics, the technology, and, and all the newest stuff you could possibly look at and evaluate how someone is either hitting or throwing or catching or running or pitching, all of these things. So um, big influence, obviously, with that side of analytics and technology. How do you think he's involved with this process now moving forward with the new pitching coach? You know, I haven't had a chance to talk to Sam, but I would, you know, if you bring someone in and you make him your director of pitching, I imagine he's going to have a lot of influence and 
I would guess that he probably has a different circle of contacts than a lot of people existing in the Yankees organization, which is pretty interesting to me. You know, I will say as far as, you know, a lot of the changes they've made, I don't want to make it seem like the Yankees are pivoting to analytics by any means. I mean, they've been pretty much at the forefront of all of this technology you know, for years, and a lot of those coaches have have embraced that. Um, the, the difference being, I think, that other teams like the Astros have been comfortable in the past talking about it, and the Yankees very much have not been. Um, so the the reality is, you know, Sam probably knows just a bunch of. I guess what I'm interested in is what type of player development they're interested in doing going forward. Because one thing they've been very good at has been developing velocity. And I am sure that, you know, I'm sure that Sam can probably forecast some different advantages for pitchers going forward or things like that. So I would imagine he would be, um, pretty heavily involved and I'd be really interested. I'm, I'm really interested to see what type of, what type of hires they make, they make, because I think that'll really tell us a lot about what the Yankees are planning on doing going forward. Yeah. I mean, Lindsay, we just want the spin rate. We just want the Astros spin rate. Really? Like that's, <laughs> that's, that's just what we want. That's why we're bringing no, no, these no, guys no, in. No, 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 no. Spin rate is over. It's all about spin efficiency, ah. active spin, a bunch of stuff. I don't understand. Like we're, we're talking, nerd stuff above my level of comprehension but yeah we're we are we are on to spin efficiency and beyond <laughs> the, the nerds in the tunnel are definitely winning at this point there's uh there's no doubt about that the um look i'm trying i'm trying to keep up i think I, we all are honestly i think wish, we all are. wish me luck wish me luck <laughs> I, I i wish you i wish you luck formally i wish you luck because it's a lot um the uh, so talking about even just more of that the the two the two guys that have been reported that they've they've talked to now so far and I think it kind of goes in in line with exactly what you're saying like that you know the uh, you know who's in that contact list of uh, of of Sam and who is he talking to well they're they're now talking to they've interviewed um, uh, where is it Chris Fetter University of Michigan pitching coach has been a hot name I know the Mets uh, you know had interest in him at some point as well so he's been a guy that's been looked at in the major leagues. Um, and then the other being the pitching coach from um, Arkansas, I believe it is. Yeah, the Razorbacks, Matt Hobbs, mm-hmm. who also is another guy. You know, both guys, again, really into the analytics, really into the technology, trying to get that, that extra um, spin efficiency uh, from, from their guys and have them take the next level. And, I, you know, I think it's interesting because the guy that, who they brought in last year, one of the big free agent guys, uh, being Adam Adovino, who, you know, used his father-in-law's, um, you know, uh, empty retail space, uh, on the, uh, up in New York to, to bring in all these cameras and, and, you know, bring in all this equipment. It's funny because, you know, he had to do that on his own and now it's seemingly the Yankees are kind of bringing all this stuff into, uh, you know, into play for, for the rest of these guys too. And I think it's, uh, just kind of a foreshadowing with, with what's happening with, you know, the rest of that pitching staff. Yeah. I think it's interesting. The idea of looking at college coaches, I mean, Wes Johnson, uh, the twins hired him last off season and that seems to be going well. I mean, even Derek Johnson, the former pitching coach for the Brewers and the current pitching coach for the Reds, he was at Vanderbilt for a long time, which oh, is, yes. you know, where he built his 
relationship with Sonny and whatnot. But I think that's, that's pretty interesting. And I think something about college coaches in particular uh, that I find interesting is in their environment, they kind of get to run their own program. And so I think they become very, very familiar with a lot of, you know, with kind of a, a wide range of, of what we're looking at in terms of pitching development and obviously working with guys who are 18, 19, 20, 21, they're, they're getting guys in the early stages of their potential professional development. So I think it's a really interesting trend. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see how that type of stuff works. Uh, one of the hot names, obviously, that every Yankee fan is interested in seeing, uh, you know, at least interview and and Brendan Cuddy, ha- Brendan Cuddy had the uh, the news yesterday. I think it was yesterday that David Cohn is, mm-hmm. is is really making it known that he is interested in getting back to baseball and he would uh, be interested in this job and the pitching coach job. And like you know, everybody, he's obviously beloved as a um, as a former Yankee, uh, you know, current Yes Network guy. He's active on social. Like he's just he's a man of the people, and and people <laughs> I think are, are just very intrigued by that. Do you think there's any chance? David Cohn gets a uh, gets you know legit consideration for this job. You know, I don't, I don't know, I I don't know what Cashman and everyone what they may be thinking, but I think Coney is a really interesting type of candidate. You know, he was in there after Game Six. Um, you know, I, that experience really matters. You know, I, I saw him go up to Aaron Judge and say. I'm sorry, man, the shit sucks. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. You know, and they, they know that he has been there. He has been through a lot. And really the thing I found with Coney is that he's very open to listening and open to learning. And he doesn't really, he, he doesn't big time anyone. There's no, well, I'm a former pitcher. I know what the fuck I'm talking about. I'm right. sorry for cussing. Oh, but, you're good. You're um, good. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think he really does bring an interesting blend of experience and not just not just knowledge in in new age types of pitching, but a, a real curiosity about it. And yeah. I think he has a real respect for it in that, you know, I think a lot of former players kind of look at this and think, well, I was successful and I didn't need all of this. Whereas I think, you know, Cone's perspective is, I was successful, but what would my career have looked like if I had had all of this? And so I think, I think he's a very intriguing option, um, but I can't really make a, a prediction on how likely that is. Come on, we want predictions. We want we want names and, and percentages, and we're in the age of <laughs> analytics. We need we need some numbers here. <laughs> um, no, that's yeah. I, I agree with you. I think it's uh, it'll be interesting to see, and maybe maybe that's one of the the pairings that could be. You know, having a guy that has all that experience as close to the organization that has, and I mean, you know, maybe this is nothing, but to me, when you're he just wrote a book with with Jack Curry, and just going through that process over the last you know however long they were writing it, I can only imagine you know, took him deeper into, you know, certain dives of his career and then into the analytics and things like that. I can only, you know, just, just from uh, thinking about how it would be to, um, to fill out a book like that, I can imagine it being, you know, very useful and beneficial for a guy like, like Cone who, who wants to get deeper into these numbers. So. Yeah. And I think doing that, you have to take a really honest look yeah. at, 
yourself and your career. And I think that's hard for a lot of these guys, but ultimately I think the biggest thing that, you know, a lot of front offices are looking for in terms of a coaching staff is that ability to communicate. And I think, you know, so many of the coaches on the Yankee staff are very good at that. And so I think whether it's a college coach, whether it's David Cohn, whether it's someone we've never heard of, um, I really think that's going to be the biggest thing because with all of the information that they will be receiving from the office, they need, or from the front office, they really need to be able to tailor it and translate it to each pitcher's need. And, and that's not easy. It's, it's not easy, but I think that is the way for clubs to be successful. It's not just about having the information anymore. It's about how you package it and tailor it to each player's individual needs. And so I think that's really, in my opinion, that should be a really big part of it is how well do they express these concepts? How persuasive are they when something needs to be changed? Because pitchers are stubborn as hell. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so it's, it's not an easy job, but I imagine that will be a, a really big part of it. Yeah, I mean, they got there with their with their abilities up until right now. So changing things mm-hmm. like that is 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 sometimes a hard task when you're when you're talking to some of these guys. Uh, and that was, I mean, that was one of the the reason, probably the overwhelming reason, why you know Aaron Boone was hired in the first place. The communication that was talked mm-hmm. about nonstop, communication, communication. So you know, to me, when I'm looking at these ca- at these uh, candidates, it's going to be a you know a, a blend of the technology and and the new age. Um, stuff. And then also a guy, like you said, has to be able to communicate the, the ideas uh, in a way that's effective uh, and that the players will buy into. So it's half the battle, I guess. Um, one guy is still around. Yeah. This is the last question before we get out of here. Mm-hmm. The last guy, CC mm-hmm. Sabathia is retiring, but not CC Sabathia is still out in the bullpen as of right now. Mike Harkey, does he stay or, or are mm-hmm. we, are we, uh, we keeping Mike Harkey around? I haven't heard anything on that. They've been very uh, tight-lipped about potential other coaching changes, yeah. but my understanding, in part informed by Harkey's appearance on R2C2, is that, <laughs> one, he's very happy with the Yankees, and, two, I know that the, uh, I know that the relievers all you know, like him and trust him and trust him to advocate for them. And, um, yeah, I mean, when you see how tight-knit and how – well, the bullpen functioned this year. I don't really see any reason for a change there, but you know, like I said, there's so so many behind the scenes things. But it will be sad not seeing Harkey and CC walking out to play catch together and just <laughs> right. thinking about how how many fans get confused by this and how and how well they embrace it. <laughs> it is pretty good. It's every time the that's my favorite. I think that is actually my favorite part about the Players Weekend is when we see the uh, the not CC jersey on Harkey. <laughs> At least we see all the old pictures of it as well, you know. It's uh, it's pretty funny because yeah, it's, he it's very keep accurate. That up. <laughs> exactly right. He better keep that up. <laughs> I, I think he's going to be around. I, I agree with you. He's a he's a rock out there. I mean, when we're looking at the super positives from this year, it was definitely the bullpen, and you know that's a that's a that's a staple. I think he's got to stick around. So I, I'm fairly confident that he will, and, and hopeful that he will. But Lindsay, thanks so much for for coming on and and taking some time in the off season. Um, again, really a big fan of your work, and uh, glad to have you on on the Yankees beat and giving us all the good information that we can use too for shows like this. So it's uh, it's super helpful and, and and definitely appreciate it. Yeah, of course. 
And uh, just just to recap, the uh, Lindsay, where can everybody find you on Twitter? Where can they follow you and read all your stuff? Um, Twitter, my handle is my name, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y-A-D-L-E-R. And then you can find my writing at theathletic.com. Um, we'll have a bunch of, I mean, this should be a pretty crazy offseason for the Yankees. So actually looking forward to having a lot to write. Yeah, awesome. All right, Lindsay, thanks so much. Take care. Thank you. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.